got, I got, I got, I got loyalty, got royalty inside my DNA. And with the first game after the trade deadline, the Sacramento Kings get a win. They get their 20th win of the season at the expense of a very, very good Miami Heat team. Welcome into the Sacramento Kings podcast presented by HoopBall and the HoopBall Podcast Network. I'm your host, Damian Barling, and I thank you so much, as always, for tuning in and allowing us and allowing me to be a part of your Sacramento Kings coverage. We're breaking one of our... Programming rules here is we normally don't do games on the first night of a back-to-back, but it's a Friday, which means the second game of a back-to-back is on a Saturday, and normally we don't do shows on Saturday either. So, something had to give here, man. We had to talk basketball and picked a good game to do it. As the Sacramento Kings uh, not only got the win against Miami, but they played really, really well. Uh, 105-97 was the final score. Plenty to talk about here Today, again, on this first game uh, after the NBA trade deadline, hope you had the opportunity to check out our trade deadline episode with Aaron Bruski. It's been a while since we've been able to uh, connect and visit. Uh, In fact, I don't think we've had a chance to talk one time during the season, especially given this uh, post-game format. Uh, So if you haven't had the opportunity to check out the last episode where Aaron Bruski joined me to talk about the Kings, uh, to talk about uh, the move of Dwayne Dedman, Uh, Went back a few weeks, talked about Trevor Ariza, talked about the things that have gone right for the Kings, the things that have gone wrong, the things they have attempted to correct. Uh, You can go check that out. Obviously, it's available in the archives, as are all of the episodes of the Sacramento Kings podcast. Uh, Normally watching a Kings game, there's a lot you could break down. You could say, well, there's moments where the Kings played really bad here. Here's why they are able to win this game. Uh, Here's what they did right. Here's what they did wrong. For my money, the only thing that the Kings really did wrong tonight was wear those ugly-ass red jerseys. Those are horrible. That is the worst jersey decision. That is the worst wardrobe malfunction since those heinous gold jerseys that the Kings once had. I don't like the red jerseys. I don't care how unpopular that is. And I hate it even more when they wear their red jerseys against a team that normally has some sort of red in their color scheme. That is about the only things the Kings did wrong tonight were those jerseys. I thought they played great basketball. I think Miami is a hell of a team, and obviously that's a very hot take here on my part here. I'm having a wild Friday night, as you can tell. Dropping hot takes like a 34-17 and team is very good. They are. Uh, Miami is phenomenal at home, but they're a really good team overall. They're going to look a little bit different here in the coming days as Andre Iguodala is here in Sacramento. Of course, he didn't. Uh, playing the game for the Miami Heat tonight. But this is this is a team, obviously, they're brilliantly coached. Bam Adebayo is an all-star. He was incredible tonight, and it wasn't enough. It wasn't enough because the Kings didn't allow it to be enough. I, I, I thought there were some players on the Miami Heat that they, I, I thought overall the Heat played well. Not great and not stellar, but they played well. But the Kings played better, and they didn't leave the door open for the Miami Heat at any point tonight. And I think that's where the Kings should really be committed because normally, whether it's at the very, very end or somewhere at the beginning of the fourth quarter, usually at some point in the game, particularly one after where they built up a lead, which they did uh, against Miami tonight, normally they're, they're, there's a point where they just kind of let the door open. And that didn't happen tonight. 
Kings led by as many as 17 at one point in tonight's game. And it got within one possession several times. As a matter of fact, I, I think the Kings had a big lead in the first half. It got down to one possession uh, at halftime. Uh, one possession, you know, as, as the game continued to move on. Uh, but when it came crunch time, the Sacramento Kings were, were able to pull away. And uh, they deserve to be commended for that. So we'll hear from Luke Walton here in just a couple of minutes, as we always do. I, again, I'm so sorry. I don't know why I do that. This show is not live. It's live to tape. But it's not live, which means we are going to hear from Luke Walton here in a couple minutes. But if you want to skip ahead in here at Luke Walton, you obviously can. Hopefully you don't because there's uh, plenty of other stuff to talk about, including Rashawn Holmes. Remember when we said Rashawn Holmes was likely to play Friday? Remember when we were told Rashawn Holmes was likely to play Friday? And then we were told Rashawn Holmes was very sore after a practice and that likelihood dwindled down quite a bit. Well, that... Likelihood dwindled down all the way to not, and Rashawn Holmes did not step on the floor for the Sacramento Kings tonight. I know that has a lot of Kings fans concerned. I know a lot of Kings fans were concerned after word got around after practice that Rashawn Holmes wasn't able to complete the practice. He was uh, very sore, went through, I think they said like 20% of the drills or 20% of the work, and just wound up getting treatment for the rest of practice treatment because he was very sore. Um, it was after that. And, and still the King said, Oh, there's the, 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 the likelihood it's, it's still there. Doesn't mean he's going to play, uh, and the percentage chances of him playing probably changed in that moment, but they still led, left the door open for, Rashawn Holmes played tonight. Obviously, he didn't. And I don't know how many of us really thought he was going to. I know when I saw, I mean, when you see some, he completed 20% of the practice. Like, he wasn't coming back. I think we all kind of knew that. I don't know why the Kings didn't just say that. If he got sore after completing 20% of the practice, it should have been shut down right there that moment. Like, nah, he ain't. Mm -mm. He's not playing. We ain't doing this. No chance. Even if he feels better Friday, we ain't doing this. He's got to be able to get through a significantly large. Maybe he can't get through a whole practice without soreness or some uncomfortableness or whatever. But, man, homeboy's got to get through more than 20% of it. I thought the Kings should have ruled him out. Again, it's a, and maybe it was an arbitrary number. Like, I, I, you know, I don't know. I don't know who was timing out practice and discerning how much of it Rashawn Holmes played in or, or participated in, excuse me. But the number that was put out there was 20%. For me, that's an automatic no. And I think the Kings should have shut it down in that exact moment. And I don't know how they've dealt with Rashawn Holmes over the last couple of days, but I know that was a major disappointment for Kings fans, and I'm sure it was a major disappointment for Rashawn Holmes and the Sacramento Kings. Uh, also, it's it's adding fuel to the fire of, like, what is going on with this team? Why? I think the issue with Marvin Bagley is still kind of hanging over this team. Like, what exactly went wrong with MB3? MB3-5. Like, what exactly went wrong there? And now we've got... Rashawn Holmes, who he just has a shoulder injury, right? Like, that's that's all we've been told is he, he has some sort of shoulder injury. It's like, okay, what's exactly wrong? Do we have a more specific timetable? Because we were originally given the, what, two to three weeks for reevaluation, and then he goes back to practice, and can't get through the practice without getting injured. Maybe 
maybe he needs to be reevaluated before he gets back onto the practice floor. And of course, I, I'm completely assuming that he that he has been, and then he was immediately following the soreness uh, that he uh, got after his brief appearance at practice. Um, so Harry Giles got the starting spot, and I thought he did well with his minutes. Uh, and as a matter of fact, I thought Harry Giles did very well. He was very impactful in moments where Miami made runs. Now, Miami didn't make runs that eliminated the Kings' lead. It eliminated the comfort of the Kings' lead. But I thought Harry Giles had a a, a very impactful 14 minutes that he played. He was 5 of 5 from the field, uh, 10 points for Harry Giles here tonight. The Kings started off 5 of 6 from the field, and that was kind of the theme. That's the main reason that the Sacramento Kings uh, won this game is they shot the ball really well, and they shot it really, really well. Uh, in the first quarter, they took an 11-3 lead right out of the gate. Of course, that the, the Heat cut into that lead pretty quickly. The game settled down quite a bit. Uh, eventually, the lead got cut to two at the end of the quarter. Bam and Abayo had eight at that point uh, for the Miami Heat after the first quarter. The lead went back up to double digits, then it went back down to a single possession. That was kind of a theme here through the first half. It's really a theme all the way through three quarters. Uh, Belly missed a three at the half. Kings, again, led by two, headed into halftime. Miami was in the game, you know, for one reason. I didn't think Miami was awful. Maybe maybe they were a little slower than normal. Maybe they were a little lackluster. Shots just weren't falling for them. But because they're such a well-coached team and because they generally recognize their shortcomings, Miami stayed in this game because when the shots didn't fall, they got aggressive. And when they got aggressive, they got foul calls. The Kings, first half. Kings, first half. Stop me if this sounds familiar, by the way. Kings, first half, shot four free throws. Two-point lead. Kings had a two-point lead. They shot four free throws. Miami shot 14. That's why the Miami Heat were in the game after one half. And the Kings shot, again, a a theme throughout the game. They shot really well in the first half. 53% from the field, a 42% from three. But the issue was uh, the number of foul shots that they took uh, versus the number of foul shots that the Miami Heat took. And that's how Eric Spolster's group was able to keep themselves in the game. Now you thought, okay, coming into the third quarter, this is going to be a really tough spot for the Sacramento Kings because you don't think shots are going to fall at that same clip. But they did. Let's check in with Luke Walton before we continue. A uh, good team win for our, our, our guys tonight. I thought we had a nice two days uh, of practice. Ball was moving really, um, you know, and come out tonight and, and get 29 assists. Uh, you know, I thought every time <clears throat> Miami kind of started putting in that pressure on us, our guys did a really nice job of, of responding to that and then kind of taking control of the game again. Uh, I think we gave up 10 for, uh, second chance points in the first quarter and uh did a good job of correcting that. They had seven for the rest of the game. So as the game went, our guys really uh, adapted nicely to how the flow and uh, phys- physicality of, of the game were going. Free throws were an issue again, uh, so we'll continue to work on that. And besides that, we got to you know get our focus off tonight and be ready for tomorrow now. 31 points off of 20 Miami turnovers. What did you like about your defense and what it was able to kind of create for you guys offensively? Yeah, there was a lot. Um, 
you know, part of our focus the last couple of days in practice has been getting more uh, active with our hands, really drilling uh, pick and roll and, and getting four hands on the ball, trying to get deflections. And we did a good job of that. Now, by doing it, we also gave up a, a lot of uh, quick rolls by Bam, who I should have given credit to, too. He is that's a heck of a player they have over there. And... Uh, you know, he, he made us pay some some uh, a few times, but it still feels like this group is just more engaged and better the, the more active we are defensively. And we got a, a lot of good uh, efforts from, from different people. I thought Bayes uh, really in that fourth quarter did a good job of bringing energy and, and getting deflections and, and things like that. But, um, yeah, I mean, we've you've forced 20 turnovers for 31. It's, that's, you're doing something good on defense. Miami plays more zone defense than anybody in the league um tonight i felt like both belly and bogey did a tremendous job of kind of breaking them down what is it about kind of their european knowledge that kind of helps with that process they've you're european they've been playing against zones probably since they were 12 years old uh it's a guess but i'm my guess is at the at the parks in Europe they play they play zone. So uh, I, we feel very comfortable uh, with Belly in the in the center of that uh, defense, which is why we just played him at back of five. Uh, we wanted him on the court as much as possible tonight. So whether it's him shooting threes or stretching, I mean, or getting to the middle so he can play make out of it, uh, he just he, he's very comfortable in that, and he did an unbelievable job for us. Luke, a minute ago, you mentioned Kent Bazemore. How much have, has he just kind of been a breath of fresh air for what you guys are trying to do defensively? He's been good. Uh, he, he, he plays with you know energy. It's one of the things that has helped him build a career for himself in this league is uh, he, he plays he plays hard and he understands how to disrupt uh, you know, offensive rhythm and, you know, it might not always be the perfect technique, but like all great defenders in this league, uh, Good defenders in this league, they they understand that it's it's also about breaking the rhythm of other players once they get hot. And you know, Trevor had that ability uh, before we we traded Trevor, and Bays has that same type of feel for the defensive end when someone gets hot, uh, really making them uncomfortable so they get out of that rhythm. And, and he's been good for us. Luke, you had four guys hit posted right around 36 minutes tonight in the first night of back to back. Did you circle this game and say, let's get this one, especially with them being shorthanded? Um. No, I mean, I we yeah, I, I wasn't. I didn't go. There was no plan of going into the night saying let's try to balance this out, knowing we got two games. Um, I would have liked to keep uh, Bogey probably around thirty, but he was playing too well to get him out. And uh, you know, once we the game was going where it was, I you know priority number one was let's handle let's handle business tonight, and then we'll worry about tomorrow tomorrow. Luke, you mentioned uh, Bam earlier. How do you think that um, Harry and Nemanjo were able to fare against him tonight defensively, considering he's an all-star this year? Uh, well, it's, you know, he, he's one of those guys, um, you know, it's not a lot of one-on-one matchups that he kills you on. He's just relentless on the way he attacks the rim on all those rolls, offensive rebounds, occasional DHO keeps, all those type of things. He's just nonstop putting pressure on your rim. And, uh, you know, I thought our guys did a nice job fighting. Uh, and, and, and when they was individual one-on-one defense, I thought we did a good job. But uh, he really hurt our, our overall team defense tonight. A couple of things of note there. One, I realized as we started this show, for some reason, 
spent the entire time talking like a radio announcer with super odd inflections on my voice. I'm not really sure why I did that, so uh, forgive me if you're still tuned in. I greatly appreciate it. Number two, uh, the reporters stopped introducing to themselves stopped introducing themselves 51 games into the regular season. So that was a welcome change. You notice weird things during the press conference. I never understood why Katie and James and the people who cover this team on a day-to-day basis have to introduce themselves. I guess maybe because people are watching on NBA TV or, or, or League Pass or something. I have no idea. Again, just things you notice along the way. Uh, but the important thing I noticed, and it's not really something Luke Walton said. He didn't point it out, but he was talking about, you know, over the last couple of days during practice, we dot, 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 dot. And I realized this was one of the rare occasions during the regular season where the Kings actually had time to practice. Like they had a, a, a game at home and then they had a long, It felt. I mean, it feels like in the NBA season, like what has it been? What, what's today? Friday? When did they play? Like maybe Monday or Sunday? I mean, it's been a lengthy stretch that they haven't had to play basketball and that just feels weird. I mean, it, 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 you know, in the NBA, it feels like they're playing every single night. It feels like they're playing over and over and over and over again. And when you go one day without a game, it's like, well, wait a minute. Where the, where's the Kings game? Like, what's going on? They actually had a chance to kind of step away and practice, which is something that they don't get to do very often uh, during the regular season. And that's not something I thought of headed into this game, uh, but it's something I can take away now after listening to Luke Walton talk and after the fact, see how well that the Sacramento Kings played. They scored 30 and 31 uh, in the first and third quarter, respectively, against a very good defensive Miami Heat team. And of course, as it you know, said at the beginning of the show, a very well-coached Miami Heat team. So the Kings deserve to be applauded. They've, they've probably had better games this year or probably have had... Uh, you know, big, bigger games, I guess, or bigger wins. I, I, I don't know how you want to phrase it. I don't think they've had a more quality game than this one tonight. I don't think they've had a more quality game uh, than they have tonight because I don't think they've had a game like this against an opponent of this caliber. I know they beat the crap out of the Clippers uh, in Los Angeles not that long ago, but... I'm not going to take anything. A win is a win, and I'm not going to take anything away from from the Kings' win. Kawhi Leonard didn't play that night. It was the first game in Los Angeles after the passing of Kobe Bryant. It, there were a lot of things that were just odd about that game. Again, I'm not going to take away from it. The, the game was scheduled. It was played, and they went out there and won. I didn't walk away from it thinking about how well the Kings played against the Clippers. I walked away from it thinking, gosh, this is... Watching games in Los Angeles feels weird now. And now this is a Clippers game where you feel like all of these people are at the Clippers game, but they really want to be at the Lakers game tomorrow. And if you recall, the Kings and the Clippers played on a Thursday, and then there was that big uh, memorial tribute on on Friday when the when the Lakers played the Trailblazers. So, it, you know, it was a an eerily, just a, a awfully quiet Staples Center crowd. There was no Kawhi Leonard. There was no flow to the game for the Los Angeles Clippers and the Kings just went in there and won as they should have as you know that that's again the NBA is going to schedule the game at this time you you've got to play it and the Kings took advantage of that I'm not going to remember much about that game as it pertains to the Sacramento Kings as a matter of fact a, a week removed from it I don't remember anything as it pertains to the Sacramento Kings I remember everything about the atmosphere 
I remember the Clippers. I, re- I remember the, 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 the Clippers commentary. Uh, but tonight, I'm going to remember the Kings, and I'm going to remember the way that they played, and I'm going to remember how consistent they were against the Miami Heat. I'm going to remember how Belly hit some big shots along the way. You know, he was, he was five of six from three. You heard him and Katie uh, Hunter, excuse me, Katie Hunter, talking about uh, Belly and Bogey being able to kind of break the zone a little bit and frustrate that Miami Heat defense and get open. I'm going to remember those moments. I'll remember Harry Giles. Like, this was a, again, and, and Buddy played well, too. I've kind of glossed over Buddy. He kind of led the way for the bench. Kent Bazemore was good as well. Yogi Ferrell siding. How about that? Yogi Ferrell plays seven uh, not super impactful minutes, but he does play tonight. Uh, in a good, good Kings win in games in a, a team where I could find something wrong with virtually everything that they do on a night-to-night basis. There's not a lot that I can pick apart, and in fact, there's nothing worth even pointing out that I think that they did wrong tonight. They get their 20th win of the season. The Sacramento Kings move to 20 and 31 with another game, uh, as you heard Luke Walton mention there, coming up tomorrow night against the San Antonio Spurs. So the Kings win tonight, beat the Miami Heat at the Golden One Center. 105 to 97. They are now undefeated. Never lost. Post trade deadline. So we'll see if the Sacramento Kings are able to build something here before the All-Star break with some tough games coming up. San Antonio Spurs tomorrow night. They're going to have the Milwaukee Bucks coming up on Monday. And then they'll close out the <clears throat> first half of the NBA season uh, with Luka Doncic and the Dallas Mavericks before some days off ahead of them. Thank you so much, as always, for tuning in. Again, if you haven't checked out the episode we did with Aaron Bruski yesterday, uh, make sure you go check that out. Make sure you get caught up on all things Kings here on the Sacramento Kings podcast presented by HoopBall and the HoopBall Podcast Network.